Hey, good morning, everyone. Uh, thanks for joining us uh, in Southridge as we worship online. Uh, glad to have every single one of you here. Today we are finishing up week number three of a series uh, that we began two weeks ago with Jeff and then last week with Stu. Uh, today, uh, wrapping up that series entitled Money Talks, Three Things That We'd Love to Tell You. So assuming our money was uh, trying to help us, none of what it would say would probably shock us. The shocker is the uh, parallel between what money would say and what Jesus did say. So week number one, we talked about uh, money saying, I can add meaning to your life, but I am not the meaning of life. So money becomes most meaningful when you view it or use it as a mean to an end, um, but it doesn't end with you. And last week, we were left pondering, to what extent do you want your life to be a means? The high point from Stu last week was, I'm a better servant than a master. In the end, it's your self-control that determines if you're in control or if the money is in control. And money woes often begin with character issues versus the level of the income that we have. So wrapping up today, I'd like to uh, kind of start off with the story uh, for those of you who know me, you know, I spent uh, a little over two and a half decades in the Army. And in that time period, I've been in a lot of different environments around the world. Most of them were in arid, hot, desert-type environments, uh, which when I talk to a lot of people, they think that sounds miserable. It sounds pretty rough or harsh. Yeah, there are some times where it, that can get pretty rough. But for me personally, it was the cold weather uh, snow, wet environments that were the most challenging for me. And the reason was is because on a daily basis, I was really having to monitor the weather very closely. I had to know what the temperature was going to be. I had to know if there was going to be high winds. Was there going to be rain or sleet or snow? And in part, what that determined for me was how me and my people should be dressing for what we were going to have to do. So if we had a day where uh, say I was going to be out at fairly static, going to be at some guard shacks with soldiers, or if I was actually going to go someplace and be in an observation post out in the middle of, uh, say, the woods someplace for about 12 to 24 hours where you're kind of just sitting really still for a lot of time. Uh, what that typically meant was I wanted to dress a little bit warmer, and I probably wanted to ensure that I had a layer on me uh, that would prevent any type of moisture from getting in on the clothes. Um, but if I was going to be doing something where I was going to say being carrying about 100, 125 pounds worth of equipment and was going to be walking for about 10 or 12 miles uh, over some pretty tough terrain, that meant I wanted to be down to probably just my uniform and maybe have a very light layer of, uh, of silk underwear on to help keep me warm with, with the conditions. And the reason was is because what I didn't want to have happen was if I dressed too much and had too many layers of clothes on, I was going to end up sweating it, and it was going to get wet, which meant that later on when I stopped, it was going to be useless to me, and I was going to end up getting cold. And I knew that what I couldn't allow myself to do is I couldn't allow myself to get in a position where I was going to end up being cold and my body was having to fight to stay warm, all right? Because eventually what that leads to is it leads to exhaustion, and at worst case, puts you in a situation where your life might be at risk. And you definitely don't make very good decisions. So anybody who's been hunting, camping, uh, and I know we have a number of people that are in the military and in, in, the, in the group here right now listening, they understand this. They understand that the worst thing that can happen to you is that you end up cold and wet, 
uh, in a cold weather environment um, because your body is starting to play catch up and it can uh, put you in a real bad situation, a life-threatening situation. So what, is, how does that, what does that mean to us today? So it really comes down to here's a third thing that your money might say to you. First, I'm easy to keep up with, but I'm difficult to catch up with. Second, keep up or play catch up. It's just like staying warm. You burn more energy, you create more stress by playing catch up financially. All right? It can be absolutely exhausting for you. So there's no excuse for not keeping up with where our money's going. We should never have to say things like, seems to me we should be able to cover the utility bill this month. Or I'm not sure we're going to be able to afford groceries this week. And then this one, I'm sure this has happened to a lot of us, where you're at the checkout counter at 7-Eleven, you put the card into the machine, and then it says declined. All right? And you're going, wait a second. I just looked at my account a few hours ago, and there was plenty of money in there. Why is, where did the money go? We shouldn't have to say things like this. So why do we find ourselves sometimes having to say things like this? I mean, we have a specific amount of money that's coming in, and then we start spending it on things, and it starts going out, right? Think about each uh, month as you're getting your paycheck. You take a look at your, your bank account, and for, for a moment, you feel fantastic. It's like you have a weight that's lifted off your shoulder because you're looking at all this money that's sitting in your account just waiting to be spent and to go someplace. And then maybe a few hours or the end of the day, you look at it again, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden you discover that there's maybe 30 or 40% less money in there. Well, it's because it's already started going out. You've already got it on automatic payments to go places and do things with it. That's also probably the time period where most of us are more likely to say, you know what, let's go out and get that uh, patio set that we wanted to buy because we got money that's sitting in there. So the tension is, is when we lose track of our money, it takes over. We start feeling out of control, and if your money started talking, it would tell you, I'm easy to track, but lose track of me, and you're going to lose your peace of mind. I tell people sometimes a story about uh, last year at Christmas time, a PlayStation showed up in the house for my youngest daughter, and a few months afterwards, I was sitting in my chair, I was taking a look on my phone at my account, and all of a sudden I started seeing PS, $5, PS, $5, PS, $5, PS, $5. Came, popped up about 10 times. Asked my wife, does she know anything about any of these payment or any of these things that have come out of the banking account? She doesn't know anything. Ask one of my older daughters if she knows anything about it, and she doesn't know anything. So I'm about ready to call the bank up. I'm about ready to have the card, you know, turned off, bank account payment stopped, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then all of a sudden, my youngest daughter shows up, and we look at her and we ask her, "Do you know anything about? Have you been buying things on the PlayStation?" And sure enough, that's what she'd been doing. She had decided that she needed some extra lives in a game that she was playing on, and she had figured out somehow what the code was, and she had started purchasing extra lives for the game that she was playing. All right, another story for how you control your kids uh, on, on, uh, on social media devices and those types of things. But the bottom line was, in a matter of about five to ten minutes, I had gone from being pretty comfortable with me knowing where my expenses were going to thinking that I had lost complete control over my account and my money. So what we want to talk about today is um, 
not necessarily a budget per se. All right. So budget budget works good for planning out. It's it's theoretical, but it doesn't account for actual things that are going to happen in the future. So, for example, last year at this time, if anybody would have been thinking about their budget for the year 2020, nobody would have thought to think about how is COVID-19 potentially going to affect me. For some of us, it's been a positive effect, right? Because now all of a sudden we're not driving and going to work, so we're spending a whole lot less money in the gas, a whole lot less money on the car, a whole lot less money getting on the VRE to get to where we need to go. For others of us who have been less fortunate, now all of a sudden there's not money coming in. All right? So that budget that you prepared a year ago isn't helping you out at all anymore because it is completely overcome by events. So what we want to talk about is a simple way to track how we're actually spending that money. So about six or seven years ago, as my wife and I made the decision that we were going to retire out of the military, we're going to stay in Virginia, uh, we had an idea of what type of home that we wanted to build to be what we thought was going to be and we think is our retirement home. Um, And we had an idea of where we wanted to live. Financially, we knew where we stood at that particular time. But the question was, did we know where we needed to be and did we know how we were going to get there? The answer to that was no, we didn't. So me being the person I am who kind of likes to make decisions based on facts in hard numbers, um, what I just did was I started figuring out what is the budget that we need to have uh, once we move into the new home so that we can get it up and running and then we can actually sustain it and maintain it. Then the next thing I had to figure out was how do I bridge that gap from where we are to this point in the future where I'm ready to sustain and maintain the house. That allowed me to sit down and start creating spreadsheets where I was accounting for where every bit of our money was going. And I had really cool pie charts that showed percentages of where money was going, and I thought they were really neat. My wife, she didn't, she didn't dig them quite as much, um, but for me, they really helped us out. And together, on a weekly basis, we would sit down and we would actually track where expenses were and what we were spending money on and what it was that was actually taking away from what our end state was and where we wanted to go. In the middle of it, over about a two-year time period, we would have a number of discussions. We'd see things like, hey, there's a really neat dining room table that's on, for, on sale right now that we may want to buy. Do we want to buy that right now? And we'd have a discussion about whether we wanted to buy that now and then carry it down to the new home, or did we want to hold that money and savings and see if something showed up later on down the road. At the end of all of this, Uh, What it did for us in the end state was we were able to actually build a new home, have enough money where it needed to be so the building experience could be about as stress-free as a building experience can be for you. It also did three other things for us. First one was we became much more aware of where our money was going. We particularly became much more aware of things that were not necessarily important to us that we were spending money on. The second one is we came together as a couple to implement this habit. And the third one was that the two of us opened ourselves up to praying together. And for us, that was a big deal because that was something that we had not particularly done much of together. So somebody gave me a couple pretty neat uh, quotes uh, and sentences that that maybe uh, should be considered. First one is, is when you know you're going to log it, you're more inclined to hog it. 
The second one is, is when you know you're going to record it, you'll consider whether you should afford it. This is very similar to any person who has ever gone on a diet or a weight control plan or is trying to just eat more healthy. The first thing that anybody ever tells you is start logging what you're eating. Start logging the types of food that you're eating. Start logging the calories that you're taking in. And if you can, start logging what you're actually expending. All right? So we're applying the same type of approach to the money itself. And in a paycheck-to-paycheck season, what this does for us, it makes us much more hyper-aware of where our money is actually going so that we can make much better decisions uh, about where we want to cut, cut back, or maybe even where we might want to consider investing. And as you accumulate and you earn more, you're confronted by the fact of how much you're actually spending on yourself versus what you're actually spending on others. The more you have and the more you make, the closer attention you need to probably be paying to where it's going. It's not because you have a lot, but because it's in your best interest. And otherwise, if you're not careful, you're going to fall into a rut of storing up treasure uh, for yourself on earth, which becomes an issue as we get to heaven. So in a couple minutes, I'm going to move over and I'm going to make the connection for uh, Scripture so we can see what Jesus says about money, um, just like we have in the past two weeks. But before I do that, I, I want to I provide you with a challenge, all right? This is kind of a three-part challenge. Um, and if you've got a pen and a paper, this is probably the time for you to pull that out uh, so you can write these down. The first one is I want you to document your spending for two months. Okay, spy on your money. All right, follow it. See where it's going. See what it's doing. I talked to you earlier about how I created a spreadsheet. Create a spreadsheet or some type of document that you can either share with your spouse or with a close friend. Or or you may even want to use an app like Venmo or Cash. All right, this is about the easiest part of this three-part process because all you're doing right now is collecting information and gathering information. It's very passive. So don't change anything about any of your habits, anything that you're doing, all right? You know, even as you start collecting that information and seeing what it looks like. The next thing that you want to do is you want to actually sit down, you want to take a look at it. This is where we probably need to start thinking about organizing our expenses into bins of sorts, all right? And I'm going to give you some examples of some of the bins that I have um, by no means are these going to fit you uh, in your circumstances. And by no means am I telling you what your priority should be, all right? Um, that's what each of us has to decide through prayerful reflection. So first one is, is what's being spent on the mortgage, the car payments, the transportation, etc. I kind of look at this bin as, hey, I need a place to live, all right? We all need shelter. And I also have to have a way that I'm getting to and from work so I can actually bring that money in, all right, so that I, so I can actually have something to account for and manage, all right? The next one is how much do I spend on the utilities, the electric, and the gas? This is all the stuff that supports where I live and where I work and how I get to work. And then how much is spent on groceries, the gym, medications? This is the stuff that I need to live, the stuff that I need in order to be healthy. How much is spent on movies, bowling, axe throwing, camping, hunting? These are the things that are fun, where memories are built. 
how much I spend on taking out food, the coffee that I bought at Starbucks each day as I went into work, and then how much am I spending on lunch each, each day when I go to work. I kind of put this in the bin of these are the things because I'm a lazy person and I didn't take time or make the time to do it myself at home. All right. And then finally, how much went towards the tithing or giving to the church or to some other type of charitable donation? This kind of falls in the bin of the things that God commands of me and me loving my neighbor. So this is a stage right about this point is now you're starting to see how it all is starting to shape out, that you're starting to get a little bit uncomfortable with what you might be saying. All right? But that's all right. Because then we move into the next phase, and then we are going to thinking about what do we need to adjust? Do we need to make adjustments? Okay? Like I said, now it's where we start getting real uncomfortable because now we got to start making decisions, right? So if you are married... Uh, have a significant other, this is probably the point where you need to probably start exchanging some information with that person and you should be collecting the input, all right, so that you're making a joint decision going forward. So I'm sure that right now there's one of you that wants to jump out through the TV screen or through your monitor and start and grab me by the shirt collar and throttle me, and there's probably one of you that just wants to come through and give me a huge hug, all right? So if your objection is, is, hey, I have all of this on my bank account statement or I see this on my credit card statement each month whenever I want to look it up. That's not, you're missing the point of the challenge, all right? The point of the challenge is, is that you're actually tracking and you're kind of figuring out where that money is actually going. So this adjustment is how we move our money to serving and being applied in ways that brings meaning to our lives, all right? So for those of you who have been following for the past three weeks now or haven't followed, what I've done there is I've just wrapped up the previous two weeks into this portion, all right? And when I was in the Army and we were studying strategy and Clausewitz, uh, there was a German word called Schwerpunkt. And what that means is the, the main point, the main target, the point upon which most of the effort is concentrated. And in this adjustment piece part of this, this is the Schwerpunkt, all right? So the adjustment part is the active process that places in a position of managing the money that God has provided to us, all right? So now we're in the position of managing what God has given. Now that gets us to understanding what the Bible says. So let me start with this before we get into the scripture. Knowing you can is not the same as knowing, all right? So understand that and think back to what I just talked about with the active piece that actually has to happen and the discipline that actually has to occur in the adjustment part of, of what we just talked about, All right? So for those of us who follow Jesus, it goes beyond just practical and helpful, right? Everything I've just said to you, anybody could stand up here, anybody could give you this advice, but for those of us who are following Jesus, it's about living out the gospel, all right? It's about generosity, so here's the tension, and here's where there might be a little bit of a disconnect and where we start to get a little bit uncomfortable. So if we take a look at John 3:16, this is what how much God loved the world. He gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Putting the emphasis on the word gave there, all right? But when, what we do is we end up struggling with living, living out the gospel. When the priority becomes heaven... We miss out on the power of living on earth. 
We lean in for reasons that are known only to each one of us when he talks about heaven and salvation. But for some reason, when it starts getting uncomfortable and we start talking about money and possessions, we have a tendency to lean back and lean out, right? But we're not just called to believe. We're also called to follow. So I would like to help you out with noticing the first part of the series of parables uh, about the kingdom of heaven and how it intersects with the here and now. So we're going to take a look at Matthew 25, 14. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. So if you have your Bible open and you want to read beyond that, it will kind of tell you the whole story, but I'll summarize it for you here real quickly. Bottom line was that the master was leaving. He had three of his servants. He called them forward. He gave each one of them differing amounts of money. The first one got a certain amount of money. He got the most. The second one got the middle amount of money. The third one got the least amount of money. And they simply said, it's yours. Manage it and report to me when I come back. Two of them took their money and they decided they were going to invest it and they grew it. They grew it for their master. The third one took the money, buried it, and hid it. So when the master returned, he asked his servants, what happened with the money? Can you report on it now? And the servants, two of them said, look, I invested your money, I grew it. The third one just handed back what he had been provided and said, I took care of it, but I didn't do anything with it. It has not grown. All right? So as you might imagine, the master was pretty pleased with the two who invested and grew and wasn't necessarily as pleased with the third one who just hit it and did nothing with it. All right? So a few things about this parable. First off, 100% of the money belonged to the master. 0% of it belonged to the servants. All right? He asked them to manage it for him and then report on it when he returned. So... He told you two of them did pretty well. They were probably looking pretty forward to the moment when their master was going to start asking them about what happened with the money. And the third one wasn't looking quite as forward to his master coming back. Do you know what the difference was? The difference was is that it wasn't the amount that they were asked to manage. It just so happens that the two who were given the most, they were the ones that actively did something with the money and grew it. The one who was given the least amount, it did nothing with it. And then what did they do when they were asked to manage that money? So finally, before I close, let's take a look at uh, Matthew 6.33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. This is important as we begin to talk about tithing or giving of your income to to the church. Money managers should never, ever feel guilty. Money managers should feel responsible for all of what they're managing. And when there's responsibility, there's accountability. As followers of Jesus, this is a really big deal. All right? Because we all have to give an account of it. Some of it we're going to account for here while we're living on earth. Some of it we're going to account for when we go to heaven. So simply put, we should be knowing where our master's money is actually going. 
The best way to honor him is to pay attention and create a system of, of where your money is going. If you don't like what you see, make the adjustment. Jesus is very, very clear on that. And how we speak, how we manage our money speaks volumes about who and whose we are. So if you really pay attention, you'll find that you're probably living a better life. So wrapping up these three weeks, if money could talk, I believe it would simply remind us of what Jesus taught. First, I can add meaning to your life, but I'm not the meaning of life. Second, I'm a better servant than a master. Third, your self-controls, your self-control determines which of us gets control. Fourth, I'm easy to keep up with, but I'm difficult to catch up with. And then finally, what you choose to me speaks volumes about who you are and whose you are. So personally, before I finish, I want to uh, I want to say thank you to everybody in the church who gets this and who is giving on a regular basis. Uh, you are impacting roughly 250,000 people in the community every single month. And through our extended network that we're a part of, you're impacting approximately 10 million people all over the globe. So thank you. And just uh, in for those with a plan who are giving, it allows us as a church to budget better and your generosity is uh, living out the gospel. So if you don't mind, I'd ask you now uh, to pray with me. Dear Lord, thank you for this opportunity over the past few weeks to guide us through this series, reminding us that the money we earn is a blessing from you helping us better understand how we should be managing what you're providing in a way that brings meaning to our lives and the lives of others that we can touch. For those of us who struggle in this area, please continue to be there guiding us and persuading us into making a habit out of being good stewards of money. For those of us who are doing well in the area, help us continue to be disciplined and show us ways we may be able to be better money managers. Finally, as we as a church move toward building a new facility, help us as a church body to implement what we've discussed over the past few weeks so we're pleasing you and having a positive impact on our community. In your name we pray, amen. So again, thank you all for uh, joining us this week, and uh, I look forward to seeing all of you next week and uh, ask that you invite a friend. Have a great day.